successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Get out of Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM KMBZ. And also if you're listening via podcast today on iTunes, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can also find us at GrillNationShow.com going to be a really fun show today we're going to we're going to talk to uh one of the 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 greatest and best kansas cityans we have in in our great town today and has done so much in our community uh before we get to him i want to introduce our uh, title sponsors of the show and without these people the show would not be able to air and one of them will be joining us today title sponsors of the show are trust mobank bok financial and two west companies and ryan rink contributors of the grill nation show include the kcadc that's the kansas City area development council uh, and Brian Sarf, who is a true wealth and company. He's a guest host and on-air contributor. He's joining me today. Uh, it's great to have him back. He comes on each and every month, and every month he brings on a uh, uh, Kansas City thought leader, Kansas City leader, uh, and a great Kansas City business person, and uh, today is no exception. Uh, Brian's website is retirewithtrue.com. Uh, check it out, and I want to introduce Brian Sarf to the show today. Brian, how are you? Hey, so I'm good doing to great. See you. How are you, Jason? I feel, like, I feel like it's great. You know, every month we get to see you. Time flies, and then it feels like I haven't seen you for a while. I know. It's both ways. I know. So it runs quick. It, it runs quick, but you do a great job each and every month, and uh, I'm looking you. forward love to the show here. today. It's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. I love being here. Um, today, uh, we have Lamar Hunt Jr. joining us. And uh, Lamar Hunt Jr. needs little introduction to Kansas City. He's the namesake of one of the greatest Kansas Cityans to ever live, Lamar Hunt. While most of us associate the Hunt name with the Kansas City Chiefs, Lamar Hunt Jr. has worked diligently to leave a lasting personal imprint through his faith, his charitable works, and his business enterprises. He's an accomplished musician, having played flute for the Kansas City Symphony for nine seasons. He served as a licensed professional counselor to at-risk teens, the homeless, and those with substance abuse problems. Through the Laredo Companies, he's the owner of the Kansas City Mavericks Hockey Club. He's invested in sustainable commercial and residential properties, and the Laredo Foundation serves as the centerpiece of his charitable works. He has a huge heart, a wonderful family, and a commitment to giving back all he has been blessed with. Please welcome Lamar Hunt, Jr. Well, thank you all very much, and whoever wrote that, <laughs> hey, you can just keep reading that over and over and over. No, thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you, and thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, come and share with us and learn about uh, your business enterprises, your charitable works, um, and your vision uh, for your impact on Kansas City going forward. Well, I appreciate that very much. I'm Absolutely. glad to do it. Glad yeah. to do it. So tell me about you know your family, growing up in the Hunt family, what was it like? Give us kind of an insight uh, to, to what it was like day by day uh, for you. You know, when you're growing up, I don't think you're totally aware of it at the time. <laughs> you know, you look back, but everything was really, I use the word blessed, and, and we were, of course, but we had, I had parents that were very directive. I mean, in other words, they really made sure that we got involved in things. And that's things like sports and music and going to good schools and, and doing your homework. 
But we also had this element with my dad, especially he loved sports. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he'd tried the oil and gas business when he was younger and, and his eye turned towards sports and ultimately the formation of the AFL. So that was the lens we saw the world in was, was early the Dallas Texans and then ultimately, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I have, I have so many good memories, for example, of just working at training camp and things like that as a young boy. It's hard to believe they would just drop me off at, <laughs> um, the William Jewell College and say, go in and talk to Bobby Yarbrough and he'll talk, he'll tell you what to do for the next three or four weeks. And you just lived in this dorm and I was like 12 or 13 years old and you worked hard. But, you know, things focused around that. And I think we got to do many wonderful things, but I think kudos to my mom. I mean, she made sure we followed through with our school, with the sports teams that we joined and things like that. Um, I, I, one example I'll give is I'm a, I'm a pretty active swimmer now, as is my sister Sharon, and I'm I'm so glad my mother put me on a swim team and made us stick with it because it's something now that I can use for fitness. Mm-hmm. But those sorts of things and music lessons, my mother was all about that. Um, you know, she had done some music therapy work herself and and, and with elderly in the, mm-hmm. those homes and things like that. Mm-hmm. She'd gone in and played and stuff like that. So. That was the, it was a busy, fun household, a lot of, a lot of high moments. The Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I was 13. I'm now 62. Wow. I'm about ready for another um, one. Yeah, I'm ready for another one. Uh, yeah. It's 49 years. It's too long between Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, we got a pretty good, we got a pretty good chance right now. I think so. I think it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. Yes. What a season. This has been yeah. so much fun. My wife keeps saying, don't jinx together. us. Don't jinx us. <laughs> That's right. You know, I said, I, but it's really a good team. It's so much fun. Did you, uh, when did you move to Kansas City? How old were you then? Um, golly, Moses, uh, I played in the Kansas City Symphony and was here from 83 to 94. And then we lived in Dallas for a period of time and then came back to Kansas City in 04. And we just found it was a great place to raise kids. Um, they went to Catholic schools. Um, some went to public schools, um, and then ultimately Aquinas High School. So we just found mm-hmm. it was a great place to raise kids. And that's kind of where we settled down. Mm-hmm. Love it. The music thing, Brian. I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned that. That's pretty interesting. I had no idea, Lamar, that you uh, were a quite an accomplished music guy. I knew the sports, the sports background, but music, man. I I don't have a music bone in my body, uh, so that was pretty cool that you you engaged with that. So my mother got us again. Like I said, everybody had to take music lessons, and I was one that kind of took to it. And uh, I mean, everybody plays instruments in our family. You know, they they did. And, and uh, my my sister Sharon that I mentioned earlier, she's plays the piano and things like that. But I I just found out I was very good very quickly at it. And by the time I was in eighth grade, I went to a boys' school in Dallas, St. Mark's, which I'll mention my brother Clark is now the chairman. I think he's the chairman of the board of that school right now. But um, by eighth grade, I was the first flute in the band and orchestra mm-hmm. in the whole school. I mean, I had beaten out, you know, juniors and seniors and older people. Sure. And, um, and so I, you know, I just started taking private lessons and I guess the way you look at it is the, is it the 10,000 hours that people talk about? I just, I put in the time, um, you know, got modestly rewarded for it by being able to play in, in the Kansas city symphony and some other periphery stuff. And that was a big passion of mine for a long time up until my mid to late thirties. What changed uh, your focus from uh, music into business? I, I think, um, Really realizing the weight of responsibility and stewardship that awaited me uh, with the the Hunt family and the business interests, and there was a time where I needed to really just step off and go invest the time into those fields, into that field specifically, and learn about what we had because literally stuff was falling in your lap, and you have to deal with it, yes. and you have to make informed decisions. 
And that was really, I, th- I would say, the, the, the main impetus, if you will, to sort of say, okay, that chapter of my life is over. I love music. I'm going to miss it. It was hard. It was yes. tearful. It was tearful. But it was also the real realization that we had a lot of things going on in our family, and I needed to take the time and be the responsible person and sort of step up and contribute where I could. What was your grandfather like? Um, I knew my mother's father better than I knew my dad's father. But H.L. Hunt, my dad's father, was a very driven man, um, very business-oriented, oil and gas, very much a, a maverick. Do I do dare I use that word? Sure. Sort of entrepreneurial, sort of an outlier, you know, but sort of lived that early American dream of sort of, I wouldn't call it rags to riches, but he had opportunities and he seized them and he built a fortune. My mom's dad uh, was somebody, again, who was self-educated in a sense, but did ultimately begin, become an engineer and did a lot of the major construction road work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Very interesting stuff here with Lamar Hunt Jr. and Brian Sarf. We're listening, you're listening to the Grill Nation Show. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for joining us today on 980 AM. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM. I'm your host, Jason Grill, today joined by uh, guest host and on-air contributor Brian Sarf. Uh, his website is Retire with True from True Wealth and Company, uh, retirewithtrue.com. Uh, Brian and I are joined today by Lamar Hunt Jr. Uh, Brian, I want to uh, start off again here with you on the second segment today. It's been a fascinating show so far and excited to jump right back in. Yeah, it's uh, it's just really interesting to, number one, to get to uh, talk to you in person, uh, Lamar. And then number two, just to kind of dig in behind the scenes of what goes on behind uh, the family um, and uh, the Hunt family here in, in Kansas City and just learning on how you all were molded from, from the beginning. Um, you know, and your mom uh, had such an influence on you all of keeping you busy and in all those activities. And, and it's such, um, you know, it's so needed today that kids just have to get involved in many different things and try things out till you find the, the the parts of it that you love. That's true. I mean, we did not have the distraction of computers <laughs> or things like that or television. <laughs> In fact, my mom would not let us watch the television, and we could not read comic books. Really? And, wow. Yeah, we just we just couldn't. Now, remember, the selection was three or four stations and a tube TV with an antenna that moved around the room. And, you know, th- there was just go outside and do stuff. Right. And so – Obviously, getting into organized sports or an organized music situation or, or whatever whatever it was as far as being organized, that appealed to her. And so that's what we did. And that's probably yes. why you love to read. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I love to read. I, I gave a grandson the other day uh, for his uh, uh, birthday, his ninth birthday. I gave him the Hardy Boys, the first oh, 10, yes. 10 books, and he loves them. And the first book is The Tower Treasure, and he was reading it the other day, and, and he fell asleep reading it apparently. But I remember reading all those Hardy Boys, so things like that were obviously put on us in, in, in when we were young people. So who would you say had the most influence on the man that you are today? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll do a little witness moment and say really, you know, God is Son Jesus Christ. I think once I – became alert to that in my life, yes. I realized he was there. You were running into him all the time in different ways. So I would say Jesus would be a, a particular influence, even if you were, if I was hearing stuff but ignoring it. 
Now, beyond that, what he would do, what God does with all of us, is puts people in our path that gets our attention as well. And as I look back, um, there, were, there were a lot of different people. Um, one I can think of is my high school band director, Mario Foster, who was a, a wonderful teacher. He, he was sort of like everyone's dad. You know, he took the mm-hmm. time. He really was personable. He took the time. He cared. He encouraged you. So he encouraged my music. Uh, there, there were a couple of coaches. I remember a freshman high school coach who was no-nonsense, absolutely a no-nonsense guy. In fact, he would get down and, and go at it with you. Can you imagine that now, a high school coach? or <laughs> junior, playing football, I assume? Yeah, 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 playing football. I mean, he'd say, come on, hit me. And he's like, wait a minute, you don't have anything. <laughs> you don't have any me. pads on. <laughs> and and, and, and you, couldn't, you couldn't get near him. You know, he was going to put his hands on you. And so th- there were people like that. There was an English teacher named Ann Freeman who had polio. She taught me how a love of reading and writing um, and things like that. I mean, I, I would definitely say my dad, you know, was a Absolutely. person of influence. Sure. My goodness, his, the, the way he handled himself, the way he dealt with people, I mean, he was one of the more patient human beings I've ever been around. I really give him a hats off for, for teaching me the virtue that I still lack to this day, I think, is, is that patience and those sorts of things. But those people... Uh, in college, there was a music history teacher mm-hmm. who was from the Pogue family, and the Pogues was like um, the Jones store in Cincinnati where I went to college, and he was from that family, and he taught at the school, and he was just paid a dollar as a professor of music because that's what he loved to do. So there are people like that. So, I mean, teachers, some coaches, things like that really made an influence. And that was that was a question I had was what lessons did you learn from your father? Uh, because you just mentioned one, patience. Oh, my god, Which is one that we all can learn and uh probably improve upon our business acumen and our, just our personal lives if we if we use patience a lot more. That, yeah, because we want it now. And the other one is, I would say, perseverance. I mean, if you just look at his journey, starting the AFL and all the details of that, that journey until the fruition of the merger, that is a, that's about a 10 or 12-year journey. And a lot of people might have said, you know, this was a nice idea, but we need to step off. And I think so often we do that in life. We get discouraged. I never saw the guy get discouraged. Disappointed, but not discouraged. Because really? discouragement sort of seems like it just takes the wind out of you. But it's certainly disappointing in things. I mean, whether it's a, a big big loss or something like that or a setback, you know, things that, that, that come happen in the business that you just don't foresee. Mm. That's yeah, interesting. That's a mindset that um, it is. That, that, that he, um, you know, had internal to him from an early age Yeah. that, you know, through – complications in life through failure comes success and you just have to be patient and wait through it and, and you'll come out the other side. Okay. It, it is. And it can be taken as a cliche. You know, we hear a lot of things thrown about, well, just persevere, but it, it can be painful and confusing and, and, and very much, uh, trying on your patience and your, and your, in your faith, if you want to call it that <clears throat> at this point, you know, is this really what you want me to be doing? I don't really know. This doesn't seem right, you know, when it really may be exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So true. We all we all deal with that each and every day, don't we? And a lot Amen. of business owners listening, entrepreneurs have probably felt that many times. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. as a business owner, if you haven't felt that uh, you're not you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to run into your to your to the walls, you're going to run into those uh to those challenges. Uh, yeah. It's it's normal. And my dad was was a, a true entrepreneur. I really believe that. I, I, from what I'm reading and trying to digest, 
true entrepreneurs don't exist in large numbers. The, the innovators, people mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's really the people that work for them that execute, which is wonderful. But my dad was a true entrepreneur. I mean, he had an idea a minute. Uh, my brother Clark is fond of saying he sees things I don't even want to know about. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you know, and I mean, when he would walk in the stadium or wherever he was, he would have his notepad out or these little lined pieces of paper, and he would. Mark down ten or twelve things and put it in his pocket. That was his way of texting himself. <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta have notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you go back and type them up and then get them out. <laughs> sure. Are the changes, things you wanted to make, thoughts he had. Absolutely, absolutely. Wasn't he? You know, he was obviously with football, but also was a visionary with soccer too, right? I mean, he oh, was absolutely. kind of a huge soccer guy, and way mm-hmm. before soccer was was uh, popular. Sure. Um, I'm not sure exactly of all the details. I th- I think he might have watched a World Cup game from Dallas on television, and then I think he experienced some of the European soccer live, and then he said, why can't this work in America? Because the crowds are into it like football, and that was where he began that that long uh, journey into the North American Soccer League for 16, 17, 18 years, and then there was a period of dormancy, and then it came back as Major League Soccer, which Mm -hmm. we know is uh, really doing a fine job of growing the sport, adding franchises, and obviously here in Kansas City, we we owned the team, the Wizards, um, and he sold that uh, in two thousand. We sold that in two thousand and five to the folks at uh, Cerner, and they've taken it to the next level. Uh, and <laughs> that's that's what the league needed. That's what the league needed. Right. Soccer in Kansas City is amazing. It to is. see, it's I, I grew up in Cape Girardeau, um, and my family, uh, most of my family now is in St. Louis. Yeah, and so we grew up around around Blues hockey. Oh yeah, and it, hockey was you know from. 6 a.m. in the morning until midnight, you had practices there. And it seems that intensity is here in Kansas City with soccer so much, with Absolutely. the youth and all the turf fields that we have being built. Um, and I know one of your passions is hockey. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, soccer definitely has captured a wonderful part of them. It's a great sport for kids. It's a yes. great sport to enter into just running around and kicking a ball. That's easy. Yeah, right. It doesn't take a lot of equipment. But then, yeah, you segued into hockey, and you know, hockey is something that, that I loved growing up and I, I mean i got to see some things we got to go to the dallas blackhawks minor league stuff and i was in, you know there was a lot more fighting then and then when i was in college i got to go see the philadelphia flyers play the broad street bullies with bobby mm-hmm. clark and of course there was a fight and blood that night <laughs> um, how those guys took that beating i don't know yeah. but you know that was back when the league maybe had 12 teams the NHL, and so it was pretty intense. And St. Louis would have been one of those teams. So we didn't, we didn't have a National Hockey League in Dallas or anything like that. So, but I've always remembered it. And, and over the years, got to see the Dallas Stars. I didn't see them actually win the Stanley Cup, but I saw some of their games and you know was aware they won the Stanley Cup and mm-hmm. went to a, went, got to go to one of the games in the late '90s, I think. So it's always been sort of part of part of our uh, DNA, if you will. Sure. So when did you make the decision to uh, to purchase the Mavericks? And well, uh, bring those to town and, uh, and, and, and begin to build hockey in Kansas City. So I knew vaguely of the Mavericks, uh, but really I had set my sights on AAA. Okay. And we worked a little bit with an NHL team directly. They came down and visited. And then we just we couldn't come to any sort of real agreement. So I said one day, let's go out and take a look at what the Mavericks are doing. Let's find out about what they're up to. And we went, went and met with them. It turned out the team was for sale so I said, this is a natural fit. I don't have to get on an airplane to go to games. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we bought the team. It's been almost four years ago, and it's been, it's been a fun ride. You know, we've got a great general manager, great staff. 
Uh, this year, I think we have a very good team. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's family fun, affordable entertainment. And I always here's my motto: Don't be a couch potato. Get off your couch and come to a game. <laughs> yes, we went Saturday night. I took uh, two of my daughters. Yeah, uh, and had just a blast going to the game. We do every time that we're there. Uh, I've, the the last three we've been to have been winners, so we need to go to more. Yeah, you know when sports fans, even if you're just a general sports fan, if you if your if your home team wins the game. People ask you, did you have a good time? Yeah, uh, we won. Yes, That's it. Go. That's it. We won. <laughs> but seeing hockey live, there's nothing like it. It is. Yeah. To it, see it live is such uh, – TV doesn't do justice to the no, sport. No. Um, and seeing it live and, – and I would love to see more youth hockey – yeah. In, uh, in Kansas City. And that, and that's really one of our approaches here is to build the sport a little bit like they've done soccer, or a lot like they've But we need more sheets of ice. Yeah. And once you get a couple more sheets of ice going, then you can you can really double the size of participants. In other words, we could go from 1,000, 1,100, 1,200, whatever our registered number is right now. I think it's right around eleven or 1,200. And if we could double it to, say, 2,500 hockey, youth hockey players, and then you throw in all the adults, then you've got something substantial. How long do you think that takes to, to get to doubling? I think we, we can do it. I think we can do it in the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If, we have, if, if you have the sheets of ice. You can't, you can't play the sport without ice. Same thing like you can't play baseball without a field. <laughs> we'll get into that after the break. I want to talk about how that helps hockey expand here in Kansas City. Lamar Hunt Jr. is our guest today. Also a guest host and on-air contributor to the Grill Nation show. Brian Sarf is with us as well. Appreciate you joining us today on 980 AM KMBZ. We'll be right back after the break. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us at 980 AM and on iTunes if you're listening via podcast and at grillnationshow.com where you can find a list of all of our guests, sponsors, supporters, and all of our shows if you haven't listened to them each and every week. We appreciate you joining us uh, today. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill. Uh, guest host and honor contributor, partner and supporter of the Grill Nation show, Brian Sarf. Uh, great guy here. He comes on each and every week with True Wealth and Company, great company here in Kansas City. Uh, their website is retirewithtrue.com. We're also joined today by Lamar Hunt Jr. Uh, with the Kansas City Mavericks, exciting hockey team here in Kansas City, kcmavericks.com. I'd urge each and every one of you to check it out. Uh, it's a great environment. It's a great sporting event to go watch. And if you haven't been to a hockey game, you definitely need to go to one in take Kansas City. Take the kids, City. take the grandkids. Go get a pile of seats and go watch the game. <laughs> Seeing hockey live, there's nothing free, like it. Free parking. Free yes. parking. It's awesome. And it's easy in and out. It's and very we, easy. You know, we have enough spaces. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> uh, Brian, before we get back to you, I want to just kind of bring up the uh, ice. You know, you talked about rinks here in Kansas City. Uh, do you have any updates, uh, Lamar Jr., on uh, any potential uh, growth of that? I know that's important for the growth of the sport here in Kansas City. I know there's talk about Olathe yeah. potentially, right? Like we were mentioning, you know, to grow the sport here. In Kansas City, you know, we need to add youth skaters, but you need sheets of ice. You can't tell an eight-year-old, hey, your practice time is at 10 at night. You know, the parents immediately are going to go, you know what, we're going to go do something else. Mm-hmm. And, and that's understandable. So that's that's been the dilemma that we face. So our goal has been to establish two more sheets of ice and sort of do reasonable, sensible growth for the sport. Because if you, you do build it, they will come. They will try the sport. You know, we would be building sheets of ice for kids that aren't even born yet, right? That's mm-hmm. the idea. Yes. And so the Olathe project centers on that, adding a an arena, 
about 3,800 seats, and a second sheet of ice, a community sheet of ice, and that's where we would continue to grow the sport and, and grow it in a key area, a key demographic in the Johnson County area. We have it, what's an independence, which sort of serves eastern Jackson County, you know, Blue Springs, Lee Summit, all those areas over there, so people can have access to it, and it does well. Uh, but we need something strategically and uh, geographically located in Johnson County at the Great Mall site, what was called the Great Mall mm-hmm. uh, site is a greenfield space now, um, is ready and ripe for new development, new ideas, and that's what we're, we're proposing is to put this mixed-use development in place um, and, and have the centerpiece of have this small arena and this community it's, ice. It's right by Garmin. If, uh, yes. If, if for the listeners who have been to Garmin before, it's right next door as well. Absolutely, yes. And Olathe Medical Center, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so you were talking about the number of sheets of ice. So how many sheets of ice uh, that we were talking off air, how many do they have in St. Louis? And then you mentioned in Winnipeg how many sheets they have there. I, I think in Win- Winnipeg, if I'm not I think I'm correct. I think they have 61 indoor sheets of ice in Winnipeg, and that's a community of maybe 800,000 people. And that's not counting all the outdoor stuff, which is pretty easy to construct and deal with. Yes, yes. You know, I, I, I want, I, I can't really quote St. Louis. I don't want to get in trouble, but I know it's, it's well over a dozen sheets of ice, and they've had some mm-hmm. go away, and they've got a new fourplex going in. But obviously, they have an NHL team. They have a long history. They have over a 50-year history of having NHL hockey there. Yes. So, and that's a, become, you know, has become a very successful franchise in the NHL. So we're not, we're not near that yet, but what we need is if we can add these two sheets of ice, that'll give us really six core sheets of ice. And then you, you've got something in Line Creek, which is in North mm-hmm. Kansas City. You've got something in St. Joe. You've got the Carriage Club. You've got a sheet in Topeka. So you've got, you've got some real, uh, possibilities here to bring in tournaments from the midwest i I keep saying what we should at least be bigger than is omaha in number of sheets of ice (laughs) and omaha is a great city for sure well having the momentum of of having the sheets that are going to be in place you know that'll drive the interest of the kids that can come out and you know the parents can get over uh, the affordability because it's a lot different in cost for uh for hockey than it is for soccer yeah there's a little bit of a sticker shock uh, but I'll tell you this, we have people from Kansas City that move from all over the country. A lot of them move from areas where they, they play hockey. The parents definitely want their kids to get that opportunity to, to do it. We wouldn't have any problem with that. I think we, you know, we, again, we would draw, we would grow it sensibly and, and, and in an economically sensible way and manageable way. That's the key. Hockey has always been kind of, I mean, I remember I grew up with the Kansas City Blades. Yes. We saw a lot of their games, and they were getting huge crowds back then in the 90s. Um, we had an NHL team for a while. Uh, two scouts, years, yeah, two, two years. years. And so I feel like mm-hmm. hockey has a lot of potential here. Obviously, you feel that as way as well. I think we can. the, the sky's the limit. I mean, it really is. It, it absolutely is. I mean, I think if you look at this city, we, we've, we've, we're a great sports community. Oh, right. oh my gosh. I mean, and I, I'm calling, counting the colleges as well. Oh, yes. We will show up and support things. We've been a long, long, long time baseball community. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, obviously, sporting KC and the soccer. And obviously, the Chiefs have been here 50-plus years. <laughs> so, we, But the NFL, if you have an NFL team in a community, it's a good match to have you know, high-level hockey. It really is. The fan base is going to gravitate towards both and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. What happened to the scouts in the 70s? I don't know. I'm not... I'm, I'm not familiar they're here for two years and then where they years, go after that uh they went to be, became the colorado rockies okay and they are now the new jersey devils <laughs> okay and the new jersey devils in their arena does not pay homage to the names of the teams that came before that franchise but they do point the buildings they have pictures of the 
of Kemper and wherever the team played in Colorado, and then obviously where they're playing at, I think it's Prudential Center mm-hmm. in New Jersey. But that people don't realize the Kansas City Scouts went to Colorado, and then ultimately they are the New Jersey Devils, which Look I think is interesting. Very cool. It was yeah. a cool name and a cool logo. I love that. I see that. You're seeing iconic. that throwback all over the place. See it at Mavericks games, and you know, you asked me what happened. It, probably the the easiest explanation is I think you know you, you you pay your franchise fee, but there was just the cash flow, the cash flow needs, the cash available needs was just not enough to sustain it in the way the, the ownership thought that it could be, mm-hmm. and it was probably unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. good probably crowds was. at times though. That's for good. sure. Um, so as a uh, as a as a successful businessman here in Kansas City, um, you know, you've certainly um, uh, making your mark and your imprint uh, through your your business ventures. Uh, but I know that that philanthropy is a big uh, part of your life and a big focus on giving back. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to become heavily involved as a in in giving back and the charitable involvement that you have? I mean, it's easy to write a check and give money, but to give time and to give influence and to serve on boards. And those takes it takes a lot more commitment and influence uh, to do that. So it, w- when did you make that choice? It does take time to serve on the boards and be a person who is contributing. You know, sometimes you're you're sitting and listening and learning from the other board members, and sometimes you you have very strong ideas. And so it's a there's a lot of give and take. I you know I don't know if it was something I decided or something the man upstairs decided for me, but I had always been blessed with a good education, and so and I know. <laughs> in reading and the, the different things out there that, you know, one of the very important things in our country that we need to address is this sort of educational system. And this isn't to point fingers at anybody that I think teachers that show up every day and are trying to teach kids, wow, hats off to them. Amen. But we, we, we seem to be, we, we seem to be missing the mark. So where we focus on is in the Catholic world, the Christian Catholic world and the Catholic education, because we have a lot of schools out there set up a lot of high schools and we try to help those families specifically, which is done through the school, that would not necessarily be able to afford it. They can afford to go. And I, I think of a, a couple of years ago, a kid that we, we, we didn't know who we were helping. We got to meet him, and he's now at Avila University, and, he's, he's, you know, and he went to Bishop Ward. And you know, some of the scholarship money we provided or others provided helped him realize the next step in his life. He'll be the first one in his family to, to go to college, and he will graduate. He's a smart kid. So it... Those, those sorts of things touch your heart, and I think that's where it's important for us. I mean, on, on a, a sort of more gut level is just being involved with Catholic Charities who does great work with those people mm-hmm. that, that are just not, not very fortunate lives sometimes. They've had things happen in their lives, and, and they may be homeless all the way up to missing certain things in their lives that, that, that need to be a supplement or activated in their lives to help them flourish more as human beings, to get on with it and we, we we you know we're gut level supporters at catholic charities for sure i know in uh, in a, a part of your life um you were a licensed counselor yes i was um, and you studied Guilty. uh <laughs> you studied uh was it cognitive behavioral if i remember I did, reading yeah. what i uh, what i read yeah. in the bio yeah, yeah uh so so uh, what what moved you to to head in that direction for a bit and i know that has a lot to do with your focus and direction of your charitable works today is, is kind of what you saw when you were working as a counselor. I think some of the, sometimes when you, when you pursue something like counseling, you're, you're sort of thinking about for your own self, what can I learn about myself by studying this? Mm-hmm. And then I, I think I'd seen people, whether it was family members or people in our lives drift in and out that were really troubled. And I was trying to understand what was troubling them. Like it could be a substance abuse problem. And so I don't know, I started 
going at night and took some classes and and uh I really was just learning. I wasn't intending necessarily to become a counselor. And then a teacher, I'll never forget his name, Dr. Keith Coburn said, "Hey, what are you going to do with this?" And I said, well, "I'm just going to take some classes." He said, "You know, you ought to finish the degree." And I said, well, "I don't know if I have time." And he said, "Finish the degree, you'd be good at this." So I took it to the next level and went ahead and pursued it and got licensed in it. And I'm very grateful for that experience. I mean, I I haven't even thought about it that much recently, but I think it really has helped me in the business world because I think we all see people that we interact with that we can't always manage in the way we want. But I think the counseling sort of helps you see people sympathetically, empathetically, if yeah. you will, and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, don't 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 get hard with people. Sometimes they're having a bad day too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Got a few seconds left in yeah. the segment. It seems sure. like you're a constant learner, Lamar Hunt. I am. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, a good you, word. You you, uh, <laughs> you you like to keep continuing to progress as a person, uh, both yeah. professionally and, and personally, through through learning and from other people and from uh, taking other steps, maybe out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I uh, am a big reader. I'm a big advocate of reading, constantly reading. I still like the hard books. I still do have a few do things. Do you still on- read the newspaper or do you do that on you get online for uh No, I read in a hard newspaper. Yeah, I love it. Now. I do, I do. Um I mean old habits die hard. <laughs> but I, 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 I can't you know, I think you can learn a lot from others. I mean I think the the humbling thing for me is to know you don't know everything. You know very little. Mm-hmm. And the more you read, and, the, and you know, sometimes you retain it, sometimes you don't. But I love it. I love it, too. Uh, Lamar Hunt Jr. is our guest today, joined by uh, guest host and honor contributor Brian Sarf as well. We'll be right back on Real Nation Show. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show at 980 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Grill, and joined by guest host and on-air supporter of the show, Brian Sarr from True Wealth and Company. Website is retirewithtrue.com, great local company here in Kansas City. Uh, Brian, what is your slogan? You want people to retire? Uh, uh, you always tell me that each and every show I forget it. but uh, Yeah, we want to help successful people make work optional. There you go. Make successful people. I love it, man. You are just Because uh, it's not, you know, nobody wants to retire because we, we all view retirement as sitting around the house doing nothing. And you want to stay active. You want to stay involved. You want to get, either give time uh, and give back. And, and, you know, I even have clients that now they want to they start businesses with their grandkids. And they're going to use their wisdom and what and in life and that and help their grandkids learn learn the world of business or to volunteer with their grandkids and to stay busy. Uh, so many times we hear, you know, people will will tell me, I don't know how I ever had time to work. My calendar is full, <laughs> and, and it's not of, of of just entertaining things. It's they they have these responsibilities, whether it's with their grandkids, whether it's with their activities, their hobbies, their travel, you know, their volunteer through their faith and that. Uh, they want to stay active. They want to stay busy. And so we call it a work optional lifestyle. Make that work optional. You have enough money to make work optional. And some people choose that their work is now their hobby and their faith and they're volunteering and giving back and you stay busy forever. Love it. Because they tell me that retirement, the word retirement is not in the Bible. You got to keep moving. <laughs> well, well said. Well said. <laughs> Lamar Hunt Jr. is with us. Casey Mavs, Loretta Sports Properties. Uh, welcome back to the show, Lamar. It's been a great hour so far. Uh, Brian, you want to lead us off here? You got any uh, follow-ups for our last segment yeah, today? I, I just wanted to talk. So uh, the Loretto companies uh, that you Loretto, have. Yeah, Loretto, yeah. Loretto. Loretto. Yeah, it's okay. No the Loretto deal. companies that you have, um, you, you have, you have three or four different uh, parts of the Loretto companies. Can you kind of talk through the, those four and what their uh, what their their vision is? 
uh, for uh, for Kansas City? Well, the the there's the residential. We we just have rental homes, sure, and uh, and manage those, and uh, it's been a really bountiful market to do that. Um, we have some commercial properties that we've developed, and we've brought a couple across the finish line. And those, as we talked about maybe earlier, take a lot of patience and perseverance. <laughs> yes, they do. I do have a son-in-law. I'll mention him, James Arkell, who you know works very hard on our behalf to do that, and and really is good at forming relationships. So always hats off to him, or just thank you. <laughs> he works pretty hard. That is he true. He does work yes. hard. He's he's smart though. He knows what he's doing. I mean, again. You know, Bringing on people or being involved with people that know more than you is always nice. We have we have the sports and we have the Kansas City Mavericks and we also have the Topeka Pilots, mm-hmm. which is the North American Hockey League. That's what they would call in Canada major junior. We call it junior hockey here. These are kids that come from all over the country. They're living the dream to play Division One or Division Three hockey. We have two players this year who are pledged to go to uh, Ferris State, mm-hmm. so that's Division One scholarships. We're not going to have college hockey in this market. So this is the next best thing. These are kids that, yeah, you know, think of it as junior college. Uh, some of them are up to 20 years old, and they just want to get that next step, and this is the way to do it. So the North American Hockey League is a Tier 2 league. There's a Tier 1 league called USHL. So that's part of our portfolio. And then we have the foundation where we do um, very directed gifts for very specific things. And it can be anything from, again, we talked about this Catholic education, things like that, uh, to um, – homelessness through Catholic charities or things like that, you know, addressing sort of those gut level human needs, the sort of the dignity of the human person. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I'm, we're unabashedly, we're pro-life. We want to, we want to help those moms uh, who want to have their kids find a, a safe way to do it and, and, and get that follow through going. So we support some things in a very quiet way to sort of help that, that ministry, if you will. And I mean, we do other things that, you know, it might be buying a table at this charity thing or things like that, that, but, you know, anything we can to do to help the dignity of the human person and uplift people. That's the goal. Um, tell us about uh, the influence that your wife Rita's had and, and your uh, father of uh, six seven, or seven kids. Well, we're a blended family, so okay. we have nine kids between nine kids. us wow. and eight grandkids. And we're all proud of them. The youngest is 22. The oldest is 35. And they all are doing different things. Uh, three of the girls are, are moms and married moms and all that. And one son's at a Ph.D. candidate at Johns Hopkins, one daughter works for Wahoo Films in Bend, Oregon. One son is uh, working for XBO Logistics in Denver, Colorado. One son is local, and he, he's willing to do about any job you tell him to do. Uh, he's not afraid to work for, like, UPS and things like that, so that's great for him. We have one son, John, 24, who's getting a double degree. And then the youngest is lives in Dallas, and she's working in the school system there to help help kids, help kids and families. So uh, as far as Rita, boy, she's my common sense. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of common sense. She's very practical. Uh, I think if you've been married or you are currently married, uh, our wives have a way of sort of bringing us back to reality. Drop your dreams sometimes. And it's okay to dream, but it's also to say, hey, look, this needs to be taken care of right now. It's in front of us, and we need to deal with it. And I think she's a, a balancing act for me because I'm a little bit like my dad. I'm not maybe as entrepreneurial, but I, I'm a dreamer sometimes, a fiddler you know, a little bit, it. a little bit cre- too creative, and and Rita's down to earth and practical. She is the best cheese fan on the planet. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> She's very polite when we host people. She says, "I'm happy to host them." 
I'll tell you this, I'll be friendly now, but once the game starts, do not disturb me. <laughs> she's got the binoculars, and she wants to know the details. So she's a great sports we, fan. We, we need a lot more dreamers in this community. I think yeah. it's a good thing that you're yeah. a dreamer. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Stephen Garrett let me know. He's uh, the announcer for the Mavericks. Yes. Uh, been the announcer for hockey for forever in Kansas City. I he's think called, 35 years. Yeah, he's called Pretty a much lot. everybody. Yeah. He let me know that... Um, your wedding anniversary is this week, fifteenth. So happy it is. anniversary! It is. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, we're going to go out to California tomorrow for a couple of days, and uh, I've been asked to speak at a conference that deals with family businesses. Sure. I'm going to do that tomorrow evening, and then Thursdays is ours for our mm-hmm. anniversary. Well, that's so. a that's a good segue right there. Family yeah. businesses. So what? Yes. What do you? What, yeah, give what us do you a preview. About? Like we'd like to know <laughs> that because a lot of people are listening, thinking to themselves. Should I work with my wife? Should I work with my brother? Should I work with my sister? How well, does this work? Sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said earlier, things fall into your lap. This is about really generations and families and how, you know, they call it Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3. I'm still figuring out, okay, I'm Gen 3. My kids are Gen 4. But the generations, when, for example, when my dad passed in 2006, there were some decisions that were being made up to that time on how things were going to work, mm-hmm. but then he, he died and there were certain things that were left undone. And so, you know, you have to deal with that. You have to sort of unravel it and deal with it. And so that's what all these, there, there's a lot of wealth in our country that's changing hands from generations two to three, let's call it two to three, from the baby boomers, which is where I'm at, mm-hmm. down to our generation where my kids are, 22 to 35. How do we get it to them and how do we empower them? And the, the main term I use is, how do we help them earn success? Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to hand you success, but how do we position them? It's not a feel good about yourself either. Earn success means you're adding value to something and you want to pass it on and you want to develop something. And so this notion of earned success is something that's really in my mind about talking about a lot is that it, you know it's one thing to, to come from a wealthy family, and we need to acknowledge that we are because that's our reality, but it's another thing to say, well, where will this kid fit in? Because I don't have kids that want to be football scouts or general managers in football or football coaches. They didn't go that path. But so how do we how do we deal with the gifts that we have, the wealth that we have, and get it well get it to them, but more importantly, what do they want to do for their working lives? Because you want to earn your success. Nobody likes stuff just handed to them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, they, you have to be empowered. You have to have a passion and a burning yeah. desire to go and achieve something. Absolutely. Um, as, as we talk about um, wealth, what's the most impactful decision uh, that you've made regarding wealth in a couple of a couple of words. Um, you know, I, I think for us is, is we had three soccer properties in the MLS and we, we've gotten it down to where we own one as a family. And I think that was, my dad was reluctant to do that, but we did it and we got it done and it's made a big difference in our whole portfolio. That's awesome. Lamar Hunt Jr., thanks for coming on the show today. Congrats on all your success. You've motivated me to to dream a little more and to work a little harder on the show today, so I appreciate it. Brian Sarf, great to visit with you. Great great to have you on, and uh, as always, each and every month, great show today. Thank you all. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Grill Nation show. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one.